I want to welcome you again to Cedar Valley Community Church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Eric Sloter, lead pastor here at Cedar Valley Community Church, and I welcome you in the name of the Lord. We are so glad that you're here. Above all else, our desire is that whether this is your very first time, whether you've been here for uh, a number of months or you've been here for many years, that you would know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are loved, that you are safe, and that you are welcomed no matter what in this place. We are glad that you're here. Welcome to worship this morning. Over the last few weeks, we have been pointing towards a Financial Peace University class that begins on January 11. You've received emails, we've sent out flyers, we've been talking about it in service. It's going to be a tremendous opportunity for members of this church and members of our community to claim control, godly control over the area of finances. God hates slavery, that's why he sent Jesus, he hates slavery. And one of the areas that we all too often allow to enslave us is in the area of finances and financial peace beginning January 11th is an opportunity and invitation for you to say, I want to be free. Um, We want you to have an opportunity to meet someone um, in our church, a member of our community uh, by the name of Kim Han, who has taken financial peace, who has been blessed, she and her family, her husband, Mike. And we asked her on this brief video to share a little bit about what financial peace has meant to them. Would you watch?
Not only has Kim taken Financial Peace University, but she's actually facilitated a class at Viridian Financial where she, up until last Friday, was employed. But one of the blessings of her and Mike entering into Financial Peace has been she has now been able to step away from Viridian, and her heart is to be home, to be with her kids, but also more than that, or as much as that, to become a part of Dave Ramsey's ministry and mission to set people free from financial enslavement. Um, she and Mike have just listened to what's happened in just 13 weeks. $1,000 in savings that they didn't have. $2,000 in debt paid off. A plan to pay off all the rest of their debt except for their mortgage. And I'm sure that's on the list somewhere as well. Freedom to take a step to pursue a dream, being on the same page together. They've taken control of their life and God is working. We invite you. If you have an interest in taking control over your finances, of being set free to live as never before, to give as never before, to absolutely experience blessing in a critical area of your life, we commend to you Financial Peace University. The first class is this coming Wednesday, January 11th. You can come to the first class free and check it out. We invite you to do that. For more information, stop by the Next Step booth, uh, check online. And I just, Kim mentioned that the, that the class costs money. It costs $100. $100. And I know personally that when you're in debt and those things, $100 seems like a whole lot. But look at what she's already received. $1,000 in savings. $2,000 in debt paid off. A plan to become debt-free freedom to do what God's called her to do, and unity with her husband on the same page moving forward. It's worth every penny. To receive blessing, we must sow seed. This is a seed you need to sow. Beginning January 11th, take control of your finances. I encourage you now to take your Reach One cards. Throughout this year, we are spending our time, our energy, our prayer, our passion, asking God, who is the person, who are the people in my life that you want to love through me. And so each week we take time to, to write down, here's a person that I want to pray for this week. Here's someone I want to visit. Here's, here's someone I want to take to lunch, whatever it may, may be. And so I encourage you as we open the word, particularly on the front side where it says reach one, and these are on the seats in front of you or maybe down below, um, what's your next step? How can we pray for you? How can we come alongside and help you? And then also on the back, we're going to talk today about how reaching one um, only can happen as we're reached. Today's word that we're going to open more than any in this series is about how God desires to transform those who follow him so that we might more effectively reach into the lives of those who have not yet experienced his transforming touch of love. And I encourage you, uh, as we open the word, as, as questions are asked, as, as issues are posed, what's a step that you can take starting maybe even today, to allow Jesus to reach you as never before. I want to take just a moment and celebrate some things that you're doing to reach our world, both here and around the world. In addition to all the people that you're loving and caring for day by day, little by little, here's some things over the last months 
uh, that you've been part of, and we thank you for it. Over the last couple of months, uh, you provided and we collected 325 pounds of food that provided 270 meals to those who, without that food, may have gone hungry. Thank you very much. Over the Christmas season, your goodness, grace, your work, your energy, your service, and your finance provided 30 families, some in our church but mostly out in our community in schools and neighborhoods with either food baskets or warm wishes Christmas gifts. Each month, we provide gas uh, cards and bus passes to people who otherwise couldn't get around. And in this last month, you've made possible um, 20 bas- uh, bus passes and 20 gas cards through our ministry with Love, Inc. Thank you for doing that. Not only are you doing the work right here in the community, but around the world. Yesterday, our Thailand mission team, led, led by Rita Aronson, left for uh, the ministry in, 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 in Thailand. Um, and for the next 10 days or so, they're going to be ministering to missionaries and their kids who are taking time away to learn and be encouraged and cared for so that they then can go out in China and around the world to bless others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, a team went from the church um, with Kathy Morgan and Rita Aronson to celebrate a work that has been um, in the heart of God and the heart of others over the last 20 years, the creation of a New Testament for people who 20 years ago had no written language, had never seen a New Testament, didn't know the story of Jesus and couldn't read or write in their own language. 20 years ago, God stirred Dave and Cindy Lux and brought our church alongside them. And just a few weeks ago, that New Testament, the, the, the fruit of incredible years of work, was dedicated. And this next picture is one that just stirs my heart. This is a picture from the actual de- dedication. In the center, those hands are placed on a copy of that New Testament. 20 years of prayer, work, energy, giving, going, service. God is reaching one at a time here and around the world. We'd love to hear from you on what God is doing in your life and in your world to reach one, to reach a neighbor, to reach a friend, to share a need, to go around the world. Please share that with us. And we love to hear what your next step is going to be. And we encourage you to stop by our Next Step booth out in the atrium today. There's a lot more stuff going on, lots of opportunities to be connected, and lots of ways to say, this is my next step in growing closer to Christ and sending His love into my world. This week, we continue in our series, Simply Jesus, and our focus this week is on Jesus, who is our source. Who is our source. Um, If I want to um, have a light bulb Um, work. I need to put it into the fixture and then I need to flip the switch and the source of that energy comes through it and lights it up. If I want to eat an apple, I need to plant a seed and allow that tree to grow and eventually I'll have an apple. But there's a source that makes that apple possible. Jesus is the source of everything that is good, all that is life, and he is the source of all that is in you. Now, the focus this week is different than in the past week's. In the past weeks, as we've looked at the different statements of Jesus, our, our desire has been primarily to build relationship and conversation with those who are saying to us, well, I, I've heard about Jesus, but I don't know that much about him, and why should I care? You know, we all have people in our lives that are asking those questions. You know, why, why should I care? And our desire is to say, come and see. 
Let's, let's build relationship. And when, you know, we read things and begin to think about Jesus' words where he says, um, I am the way. Well, that's an invitation to walk with him. When he says, I am the light of the world. If you walk with me, you'll no longer find yourself in darkness, but have the light of life. That's an invitation to walk with him. When he says, I'm the good shepherd, my sheep get to know me and then follow after me. That's an invitation to those who are asking those questions of, why should I follow him? What difference should it make? Today, though, um, while that is always the question, our focus today is for those of us who would say, I'm a follower who would say, I, I'm, maybe 15 years ago I began to, to follow Jesus. This is a, a, a verse and a passage that really begins to pose the question of, are you walking with Jesus daily? Are you abiding in him day by day, moment by moment? What does it mean to truly walk with him as his disciple, with him as the source of, of life itself. If you turn to John 15 and follow along, I thought today rather than me read the text, um, we'd let someone else read it and watch up on the screen as we uh, as we take a look at Jesus, the true vine, and our source.
as Jesus shared this teaching, he was facing within the next 12 hours or so the cross itself. He was in the midst of a conversation with those who had been with him for most of the past three years. And he is preparing them to to continue on after he has died, been raised, and returned to the Father. And so he is talking to those who will have the privilege and the joy of taking the good news of life in Christ to others. And so he spends time and tells them, here's how to live, here's how to love, here's how to walk in me. And he uses the image of the grapevine, which was filled with with, with power to the people of his day. Israel had often been referred to as the vine. There was a lot of understanding that, that God was doing a great work in and through people who were hungry for him and that they would become a life-giving vine that would bear fruit, that would change the whole world. And Jesus is picking up that picture and sharing it with his disciples. And so let me take just a few verses and, and, and begin to get you thinking a little bit about some of the things that Jesus is saying. And, and I want you to do that in the context of, if I'm a follower of Jesus, does my life look like this? Is my life coming to look like this? Do I want it to look like this? Jesus says in John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Jesus here is... is is making a very important point. He says, I am the true vine. By that, he's helping us to see that there's perhaps lots of other, uh, other types of vines and other claims, other religions, other thoughts. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. And in this, all through the Gospels, what we see in that is Jesus saying again and again, it's not about religion, it's not about do's and don'ts, it's not about a whole lot of stuff that we wrap up and make it important about. What it's about is relationship with me. I am the true vine, and if you will knit yourself in with me, your life will never be the same. In verse 2 of John 15, he says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Jesus here makes the point that the heartbeat, the heartbeat is bearing fruit. It's not how often we go to church. It's not whether we sing on the worship team. It's not whether you're a pastor. It, that, that's nice. That's good. That's awesome stuff. But what he's saying is the heart and soul of my followers will be lives that bear fruit. And he says, you need to pay attention to this because just as a gardener prunes back and trims back uh, the grapevine, those branches that are bearing no fruit, that are just hanging there, that are nothing but dead wood, he takes them off. Even those that bear fruit that are rich in my life, that are, are, are becoming more and more like me, he keeps pruning them back, working on them, cleaning them, strengthening them so that they can always bear more and more fruit. Jesus is the true vine, and what he's looking for beyond all else in your life and mine is fruit and more fruit. 
In verse 5, he says this, I am the vine and you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, if you want to bear fruit, you need to abide in me. Now, in the translation that we listened to on the video, the word that's used throughout this, the word that's used more often than any word in this passage is the word remain. It's the same, just another word for abide. And if you read different translations, some will say remain, abide, stay, dwell. But the heartbeat is this. Where do you live? Where do you live? Whoever lives in me. And whoever lets me live in them, whoever abides in me. My address is 118 Edgemont Circle. And there's a house there. But if I never go in the house, if I don't sleep there, if I never have a meal there, if I spend no time with my family there, if that's not in any way a center of my life, I don't really abide there. The question is, where do you abide and with whom? Jesus says, if you abide with me, if you live with me, if you dwell with me, let me dwell with you, you'll bear much fruit. And he says, here's the thing. Apart from abiding with me and letting me abide with you, you can't do anything that will count for eternity. Okay? He talks about you need to abide, remain, stay with me. If you will, you'll have fruit beyond measure. If you don't, even your best efforts won't matter. They won't matter. In verse 7, he says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here Jesus begins to give us a picture of how we come to abide with him. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if my story, my ways, my teaching My truths come to abide in you. If they come to that place where they take root in your life and begin to to order your life and to, to lead your life, if my words are welcomed into your life, and I wonder for you, it's not so much, it's as important as it is to read God's word. Let me ask you this, do you listen to God's word? Do you let it take root in your life when you read things and when you study and when you spend time with Jesus and and he speaks to you through his word and you see things in that? Do you allow those words to begin to abide in you, to live in you, to order your life? Do you begin to say, Lord, let me walk in the truth of your word? He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you want. And I'll do it. And you know, that's absolutely true. Because as we allow his word to abide in us, the only thing we want is for for his word to become manifest in our life. And that's his will. So we can pray according to his word and according to his will and know that over time he will absolutely do what we ask him to do because we're abiding in his word. And his word is abiding in us. And he goes on in verse 8 and says this, By this... By this abiding in me and in my word, by this kind of life, my Father is glorified. And you'll bear much fruit and you'll prove to be my disciples. You'll show the whole world that you love me and that I love you. He says, by this, my Father receives glory. Jesus said, my only desire is to bring glory to the Father, to accomplish his will, to walk in his way, to do everything I can to see him glorified. He says, if you allow my word to abide in you, you will be able every bit as much as I am to bring glory to my Father. Your life will bear fruit. And in that fruit, it's the fruit that proves that you're his disciple. It's not so much what I say. 
It's not so much the statement of faith that I hold fast to. Those are good and important things. It's not that I've been to seminary. That's fine. It's not that I try to... What is the fruit of my life? It's the fruit that proves whether I'm a disciple or not. Here's the question. What's the fruit of your life? What's the fruit of your life? Think about it this way. What is the proof of my life? Take just a moment and and, and think about that. What are the things outside of this building, outside of coming here on Sundays, what are the things by which people could look at you and, 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 and Jesus could walk with you and say, you know what, there's my fruit. There's my fruit in Tom. In the middle of this conversation, I see some of that. Or, or, or with Bob, what, what is it in your life? And I ask that not, I ask that not up here, like I ask it because I have to ask myself that every single day, and I do. What's the fruit in your life that tastes like Jesus? What's the fruit in your life that looks like Jesus. When Joni sends me to the store and says, bring back um, some Braeburn apples, um, she's not concerned so much about whether the, the tree they came from is a pretty tree or whether it's not. It's, it's not. it's like I want apples a certain kind and I want them to have a certain taste. And so if I either don't bring back Braeburns or I bring back carrots instead or the ones I bring back are sour, she says, weren't you paying attention to the fruit? Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, what's the fruit? What's the proof? Jesus designed you and created you to share his life and to bear his fruit. He created you and designed you to share in his life and to bear his fruit. All the way back at the very beginning, when when God set these things all in in order, it it, it says in in Scripture that we were created in the image of God, in His likeness. Jesus has put a unique handprint on you, a unique thumbprint on you, a, a, a unique creation, and He has designed you, He has designed us to share in His life and to bear His fruit Fruit by which others can taste and see that the life Jesus offers is good. Taste and see that the life Jesus offers is good. How many times have I said, I think it's in Psalms or maybe it's in Isaiah, I'm not sure, it doesn't matter for this point, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I keep telling people, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what I keep forgetting all the time is that my life is what's offered to them to taste and see that the life he offers is good. Why would anyone want to look in the word to see what it says if what they're tasting in me is nothing but bitterness and, and sourness and, 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 and all those things? Your life was designed to bear fruit, to bear fruit filled with the life of Jesus and of his goodness and his love. Fruit, a life that people can taste and come to see that what Jesus offers is, in fact, good. And I wonder for you, if somebody was to take a bite out of your life today, what would they taste? What would they 
taste? Would it be good? Would it be sweet? Would it be Jesus or not? You see, here's the thing. Your life bears fruit. See, we're created to bear fruit. And your life bears fruit, the fruit of your God, small g. See, everybody has a God. Some people have a number of gods. Even atheists have gods. And our life bears fruit of our gods. You see, our gods are those things, first of all, in which we most deeply abide. We're all going to live somewhere. And so your life will bear the fruit of your God, that in which you most deeply abide. And I wonder for you, where is it that you're abiding, really? Where is it that you're spending your time, your energy, your focus? I'm, I'm a big Hawkeye fan, okay? I love the Hawkeyes. I do. And I'm a huge, I love sports and those things. So I'm, I'm pointing right at me too. But what does it say about where someone abides? If they can tell you the name of every Hawkeye player, where he plays, his stats for the last year, what's happened in the Hawkeyes for the last four years, what bowls they've played in, which ones they've won, who their recruiting class is, but they can barely say John 3.16. We all abide somewhere, and I wonder, where do you most deeply abide? What takes your attention, your time, your focus, your energy? Pay attention through your week. Keep track of your time and see where you put it. Your God is where you most deeply abide. That is a true statement. You can take it to the bank. Here's something else. Your life bears the fruit of your God, that in which you most consistently trust. Where do you go for help? Where do you go to find your way? Where do you go to decide what to do? Where do you go when the ship is going down? Now, we all want to say, oh, I go to Jesus. Really? I'm just asking. This is not, this is not intended to convict or condemn in any way anyone different than it does me. The question is, when the ship is going down, where do you go? Our God is the one in which we most consistently trust. Our God is the one in which we most deeply abide. Where do you most deeply abide? In what do you most consistently trust? And so let me ask, what is the fruit of my life? What is the fruit of your life? What is the proof and the evidence of Jesus in my life? What is the proof and the evidence of Jesus in yours. We don't abide in Jesus until we welcome his word to take root, to grow and to bear his fruit in and through our own lives. Okay? We don't and we can't abide in Jesus until we welcome his word to take root, to grow, and to bear fruit in and through our lives. Some of you, I'm sure, are very familiar with a story that Jesus told of a sower who went out and sowed seed. And everywhere he went, he sowed seed, and that seed was the word of God, and that seed was packed with energy and life and and potential and all those things. And that seed was being sowed everywhere. I'm sowing seed in your life right now. I'm, if with every word, it may not be, it may not be perfect seed, but I'm sowing it and it's coming in your way right now. And in that story, some of that seed fell along the path. 
this concrete path, and it just got trampled, and the birds ate it up, and it never, it never took root. It never did anything. Other seed fell among the rocks, and it, and it was, it was enough soil there that it, it began to take root and, and, and begin to grow just a little bit, and, 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 and some of that is like us on Sunday, and I say this because I do it too, some of this is like us on Sunday when we go to church and we listen to the word and we sing and we pray, and it gets in and it grows a little bit, and then we walk out the door and things get tough and we forget that it was ever there. It takes root, but then the sun comes out and it dies. And then there's other seed that comes and it begins to grow and the plant begins to grow. But then other gods come in, other cares, other worries, other priorities, and it chokes the word. And even though it looks a lot like a plant, it never produces fruit. It never produces fruit. And so it's of no good. In fact, Jesus says in another story, he says, there was a man who came and looked at a tree. And for three years, he came patiently to that tree. It was a beautiful tree. It had beautiful leaves. It was strong. It was tall. But for three years, he looked at it and there wasn't any fruit on that tree. And he told the gardener, I want you to cut that thing down because it's doing no good. And the gardener says, oh no, be patient, be merciful, be gracious. Give it another year, give it another couple of years and let us see if it'll bear fruit. And the gardener says, okay, we'll give it another year. Because why do I plant an apple tree? Why do I plant corn? So that it might bear fruit. We don't abide in Jesus until we welcome his word to take root, to grow, and to bear fruit. His fruit. In and through our lives. Your life's bearing fruit. The issue is what kind and whether it's Jesus. And we abide in him as we welcome his word to take root, to grow, and to bear fruit in our lives. In John 15, verse 3, he says this, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here we see one of the purposes of the word. The word cleans us. The word the word um, uh, cleanses us. The word... Um, it purges us. Okay, It works like this. Last night, I got crossways with my son, Adam. And there's, there's, there's reasons for that. And, and I, I think if Adam and I were ta- talking about it, he'd agree. I mean, there's, there's a little bit that's on his side and a little bit that's on my side. And that's, that's the way those things usually go. But in the midst of that tense place, do you know what I did? I forgot... That I'm 53 and that he's 16. I forgot that I've walked with Jesus for 22 years and that he's just getting to know him. And I was harsh with my son in ways that I shouldn't have been. And I stomped out and I got my bag. And I was going to go and sit at McDonald's for a while because I just was. But the word of God lives in me. And Jesus began to speak to me and remind me that I'm called to love my son. That is the head of the home and the father I should I should not cause him to become bitter against me or the word that I should be quick to forgive that I should not let anything come between us and that word began to stir in me and I couldn't even I couldn't even get out of my car at McDonald's I pulled in I went around the parking lot I came right back home and I went right downstairs and I love my son now I sure wish I wouldn't have messed up to begin with 
But that's the nature. We all mess up. And if we say we don't, we need to start over again anyway. But the word cleanses us, reminds us, purifies us. And in that moment, and, and my son, he, he, he put his arms around me too. And, and, and we both were just like, oh, we're so sorry. And, and we're clean because of the word. The word cleanses us, purifies us. Then Jesus goes on and says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He goes on and says, not only does the word clean you, not only does it, 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 it convict you, not only does it call you out of your sin and, 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 and into forgiveness, but then if you begin to keep my word, to walk in my word, you will become to abide in my love, just as I abide in my Father's love, because I have kept his commandments. And here Jesus is talking about the whole of his word. The whole of his word, his teaching, his actions, his heartbeat, his purposes, his wills. He's saying, if you'll keep my way, if you'll keep my word, if you'll, if you'll take seriously the things that I say and you'll ask me and help me to reveal to you how you can walk in them, if you begin to walk in those commandments, you'll abide in my love. You'll abide in me. In exactly the same way that I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Here's the thing. He's not saying, you'll abide in me and in my love kind of a little bit like. He'll say, you'll do it in exactly the same way I have. Do you understand that? That if we come to walk in His commandments, we abide in His love in the same way He did? Now, I don't know all that that means. I just know that I want it. But here's the thing. It calls me to obey. It's funny, in the church, we have, we don't like four-letter words, you know, like in, in families, we don't like four-letter words, right? They're bad. Here, here's a four-letter word that I think we need to grab hold of. It's the word obey. And I love you to pieces, and I'm telling you that because of this, but this is like at the heartbeat of it. We can talk, it's all good, it's all grace, he washes it all, Okay. If you obey me, you'll abide in love the same way I did. If you obey me, my word will come to pour out fruit through your life. If you obey me, obey is not a bad word. Obey is not a religious word. Obey is a word that says, man, come and walk with me and you'll be changed forever. And then he goes on in verse 12 and says this, this is my commandment. This is the sum of all that I'm telling you. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. He's saying, you know, you got to let my word clean you. You got to get to know my word and walk in it. But if you want to know a heartbeat that you can't ever go wrong with, here it is. Love each other. Love each other. Forgive each other. Care for each other. Be with one another. As we abide in his word, we abide in Jesus. As we abide in Jesus, we abide in his word. They go together. The heart of Jesus is always love. The heart of Jesus is always love. When you get right down to the very heart of who he is, it's always going to be love. And the heart of love, well, the heart of love is always Jesus. Again, they go together. The heart of Jesus, it's always love. The heart of love, it's always Jesus. Love always seeks to listen to Jesus. 
Love always seeks to listen to Jesus. Love always seeks to listen to Jesus' word. I had a chance this week to meet with someone who's begun to journey with us and has has begun to, to worship and to walk with us and has become part of our family. And we, we were talking about what, what God's been up to in their life and, and um, trying to find language for what's happening. And, and we found ourselves saying this, I've begun to listen to Jesus. I've begun to listen to him. Not just hear it, not just know it's there, but to actually listen to Jesus, to listen to his word with the idea being that as I hear him, it affects how I live. And they were saying that, that as I'm listening to him, people are beginning to notice that there's stuff going on in my life and they're asking me about it and we're talking about it. And, and, and I wonder for you and for me, are we listening to Jesus? Are we listening to Jesus? Are we listening to his word? Love always seeks to listen to Jesus' word. Love always seeks the good of others. Love always seeks the good of others. Love always seeks to live and to love like Jesus. Love always asks this question. What is Jesus' love here? As I was... Driving through the McDonald's parking lot last night, that question was on my mind. That question is on my mind many times each day. It's just something that I think about. It's something that the Lord has imprinted on me. It's something that I commend to you because it's a good question. To simply ask ourselves, what is Jesus' love here? What is Jesus' love to my son? What is Jesus' love to my wife? What is Jesus' love to my congregation? What is Jesus' love to my next door neighbor? What is Jesus' love here? Now, in this moment. Now, John, who wrote the passage that we've been working our way through, he wrote several letters as well. And and, and as he did, he shared a few more things with us that, that help us see what he's thinking about this passage. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, Whoever keeps Jesus' word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Whoever keeps Jesus' word, that love of God gets perfected. Whoever keeps it, whoever embraces it, whoever lives it, whoever obeys it. And look at this. It doesn't say in him the love of God shows up. The love of God might occasionally spill out. He says the love of God is perfected. Now, I know that in in big ways that that perfection will never come until heaven and it's going to be long down the road and all those things. But John doesn't say you got it. John says, if you will keep Jesus' word, the same love that was in Jesus, the same love of the Father will be in you and it will be a perfect love. Again, I'm not sure everything that means. I just know I want that. I want to love the way Jesus loved and I know that walking in his word, embracing his word, obeying his word has a whole lot to do with it. Can't do it on my own, can't do it very well sometimes. But in Jesus, he says, everything I ask you to do, I'll empower you to do. Everything I ask you to do, I'll help you to do. Everything I ask you to do, really the only thing that hinders you from doing it is you. Never me. John goes on and says, by this we may be sure, by this we may know. 
How many of you want assurance that you're in Christ? Isn't that one of the things that the people grapple with so much? I want to be assured. I want to know. I want to. He says, if you want to know, by this you can be sure that you're in Jesus. Whoever says he abides in Jesus should walk as he did. And I wonder, does your walk look like his? Does my walk look like his? He says, you want to know that you're in Christ? Then immerse yourself in his word. Submit yourself to his way. Allow him to clean you. Allow him to strengthen you. And begin to walk as he walked. He says, you want to know whoever abides in him should walk as Jesus walked. Here's the question. What's the fruit of my life? What's the proof of my life? I'd like you to take your reach one cards. And on the back side where it's focused more on what your next step is going to be. I just like you to, I'm going to ask you a few questions as we prepare to close. And I just encourage you, maybe one of these will say, this is what I want to do. Here's the step I want to take. Let me ask you this first. And I ask it to me. Am I abiding in Jesus? That's the heartbeat of it. Am I abiding in Jesus? Is that where I'm spending my time and energy and focus? Am I abiding in Him? Am I listening to His Word? Am I listening? Am I listening? Am I learning His ways? Am I learning the ways of Jesus? Over time, am I coming to love the way Jesus loved? Am I coming to live as Jesus lived? Am I coming to walk as Jesus walked? Here's the one that that grabs my heart often. Through me, do people taste and see Jesus? When people taste my life, do they taste Jesus? Do they taste and see that he is good? Or do they taste and see something else? What's the fruit of my life? What's the proof of my life? Finally, as Paul and the worship team come, I encourage you to turn the card over to the side that says reach one. And I just want to remind you that that, that reaching one is not just so that we can have a holy huddle. I mean, huddling together is good. But I was watching a video the other day and the, the pastor who was speaking said, wouldn't it be a drag if you went to a football game and they got into a huddle and never got out of it? Yeah, you'd all want your money back, right? But how, but how often do we huddle? And then huddle some more. And then huddle some more. How many times do we read, um, be, be, be quick to forgive and read, be quick to forgive, be quick to forgive, be quick to forgive, have short accounts, have short accounts and carry around anger, irritation. We need to break huddles because you see, here's what Jesus is doing. I do, I do not ask all of this only for those who are at Cedar Valley Community Church but also for those who will believe in me through them, through their word, that they may all be one and so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I want you to notice this. He says he's not asking just for us, but for those who will believe through your word, through your witness, through your life and your fruit. And his prayer is that we would all be one. Jesus dared to believe that the world could be united around him. That the world could come to believe. But at the heart of it, it's you and me. <laughs> Abiding in Jesus. 
filling our lives with Him and bearing fruit to Him. Father, I pray now that first for each one of us, Jesus, that you would, that you would, in the way that, that perhaps only you can, you would speak and we would listen to a step that we might take so that we might more truly abide in you, listen to you, walk with you, so that our lives might become bearers of your fruit, your goodness, your love, your life, your your truth to our world. Lord, I pray also for those who you desire to reach through us, through our word and through our our witness, through the fruit of our lives, through that part of our life that people taste every single day in so many ways. And I pray, Lord, that you'd burn in our heart to live your love so that others may come to know it as well. May we abide in you, our source, our life, our vine. May your word abide in us, and Lord, may we come to walk in your way, to love as you loved, to obey the word you've given. And Lord, may we do that ever and always on our knees. In Jesus' name, amen.